Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. Welcome into 2023. Happy New Year to everybody. I don't know if you can still say Happy New Year a few days in. Larry David once said you can't do that. But a Happy New Year to everybody out there listening. Uh, on the program today, the 2023 Congress is getting set to be sworn in. We got to talk. Nick, we got to talk about one particular congressman from New York. This guy's making stuff up as he goes along. His resume, his heritage. His mom died on 9-11. Nick and I... We'll explain about George Santos if you haven't heard this story. Plus, later on the program, our friend Washington Post travel reporter Hannah Sampson. She's going to be joining us to break down everything that happened last week with Southwest Airlines. If you're still affected by what happened last week with travel plans of one of the biggest airlines here in the U.S., Hannah is going to explain everything you can do in our next segment. Hannah is fantastic, and she's been covering a lot of that. For the Washington Post, we've had her on before, actually, to talk about an almost airline strike a while back. Uh, Nick, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Haven't seen you in a while. We've been talking, obviously, about you know the Raiders stinking and uh, other items uh, in the in the world of news. George Santos, which we're going to get to in a sec, uh, amongst that. But how's how was the New Year? The, take me through what happened there in the Severi household as the ball dropped. Um, like most New Year's Eves, I, Laura and I weren't together, you know, typically the holiday she tends to work is New Year's Eve. So we really haven't done much in, in years. So that's, it's almost like a tradition here. So I've got my girls, we're in North Jersey parents. Um, uh, and like many sports fans, um, I chose not to change the TV set, uh, at the close of the Ohio state Georgia game, but I am looking at my watch. And as soon as the, you know, the watch hit 12 and I'm getting like the happy new year text and everything. The ball, go, the balls, you know, shades to the left, you know, so I don't know if that's some cosmic way of saying that, you know, 2023 is not a fan of the Ohio State Buckeyes. I say I'm not either. Sorry, Marie Harf um, uh, and George advances, of course. So, yeah, I spent that. I did not jump over to see the ball drop. I'm I'm a grown ass man. I have no desire to see that. Um, shout out to people in New York who do go to celebrate that stuff. That, that has not been me. That will never be me. Um, so my tradition is usually, you know, you know, if there's a college game on, watch it, read something, watch a movie. I, I have no desire to, you know, to watch the ball or anything. It's just nice when the clock hits 12 and double zeros, though. Um, that was that was it for me. But, you know, holly wise, yeah, we had a great Christmas here. The girls are super happy. Santa went, you know, a little crazy as he tends to like you. it. 
I like it. <laughs> so my girls were quite pleased. Um, and then we were away for a little bit in the Pocono. So we've been we've been on the road a lot, man. We were in Disney a few weeks back, recently in the Poconos, obviously celebrate Christmas here. So um, just a whirlwind the stuff as we get into 2023. What about you and at the Leon household? How have your holidays been, you know, both Christmas and New Year's? And, and what have you all been up to? Well, I think before the before the year ended, we did our year ender episode and I was kind of battling a little bit of the flu. The flu kind of ran through the Leon household right before Christmas. So we were able to do the holidays with everybody. And uh, I want to shout out, by the way, <clears throat> uh, the holidays were great. You know, Santa and all that. Love that. My kids are finally realizing, you know, about the Santa effect and, you know, the presence under the tree. It's very cool to see on the flip side when you're with your parents watching their grandkids now open up stuff. It is it is a very cool experience for people out there that that have kids um, and, and and your parents luckily are still alive and in your life. Like it's a very cool experience, very out of body uh, for me. Uh, I want to shout out first off a couple of things. I want to send thoughts and prayers. You and I have been texting about this. Uh, there was a Monday night football game in which a Buffalo Bills player, if you didn't see this, um, collapsed to the ground after making a tackle. Looks like he got hit in the chest. All of a sudden couldn't breathe. They administered CPR on the field. As of this taping, we don't know how he's doing. Uh, he got transported to a local Cincinnati hospital. It was the Bills playing the Bengals. I hope he is okay. Uh, actor Jeremy Renner suffered some blunt chest trauma. I don't know if you heard about this, Nick, the, the actor who plays Hawkeye in the Avengers. And he's obviously been in the town and a bunch of other movies. Um, he suffered extensive injuries. Um, I hope he gets better and thoughts and prayers. Um, we lost a legend in the journalism field in Barbara Walters, Nick, uh, during the holiday break, right before New Year's. Uh, you know, somebody who I, I, I would say I admired from afar, mainly because of, you know, uh, uh, the way you and I do questions here on this program, the way we interview people on this program. I love getting back the response. That's a good question. Because when you hear that, when you hear that, for me, it's Pavlov's dog. Right. Like I hear that's a good question. And then it makes the person like think of a real heartfelt response, in my opinion. Barbara Walters, I can't count how many times she got that. But what I'm saying is the questions she were asked were so poignant. They were just right. Let's get to it. Like what the Kardashian ones. No offense. You guys have no discernible talent. Like th that, I mean, these clips have been playing on social media as the way she was able to set someone up and then really cut to it. Like, let's just get to this. And I admire that about her, especially a female in this profession. Um, I, I just thought about this right now. We didn't even have this planned about talking about Barbara Walters, but I just thought, you know, seeing her pass away and then watching some of these clips, her interview with Sean Connery, where Sean Connery famously said that women need to be slapped, right? To be taught their place. He's not advocating for it, but he's saying every now and then. And she was like, oh, wait till they all hear this and the letters you're going to get. Um, and then the interviews with Donald Trump, obviously the former president, there's a lot there, but, uh, you know, shout out to her family and stuff like that and everything that Barbara was able to do in this industry. I know you wanted to add something real quick because I didn't have this plan, but, you know, shout out to her. I mean, 93 years old. And a legend in this profession. I won't say that I got into this profession because of her, but I will say I did admire the way she prepared and asked questions directly to the point. God, you wanted to chime in something on Barbara? Yeah, I mean, you can still hear the sign. You can hear still the sounds of the glass breaking. You know, she is um, a leader in 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 that form of in, in journalism. You know, I, I really appreciate what you said. I'll add on to that idea of you know the ability to do interviews and really cut to cut to the chase. Um, you know, she was just a noted reporter, was able to bring that same energy in front of the TV screens. Um, I remember her back from, you know, 20, you know, 2020 on Friday nights, uh, then, of course, to The View. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting when she left The View. I You can really make an argument that, you know, the component of it that was supposed to be based on news and commentary, like what we do at this show, was just lost. And that program just took a tumble for the worse. And that really is the legacy of a person who who does respect the field. And, you know, as we do on this show, anyone who anyone who's willing to to fight the good fight for journalism is someone we honor. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and also speaking of journalism, shout out to Amna Nawaz uh, and Jeff Bennett. If you don't know who those folks are, they took over for legendary another legendary person in the journalist world, uh, Judy Woodruff, who was hosting PBS NewsHour. Uh, Amna and Jeff, uh, the first, I believe, Pakistani woman 
and the first black man to co-anchor the 6 p.m. hour on PBS NewsHour. Amna is a friend of the program. Shout out to them for getting that gig and getting promoted as they start the new year over at PBS NewsHour. Shout out to them. All right, let's get into our first segment, Nick, here, because over the, the holiday break, more and more kept coming out about Congressman-elect George Santos. If you don't know who George Santos is, he represents New York's third district. He recently uh, won election in November during the midterm, and he was billing himself as the 34-year-old full embodiment of the American dream. Here's an openly gay Republican, child of Brazilian immigrants. He rose to the upper echelons of the Wall Street before moving over into the world of politics, all before the age of 35, right? A victory lap. Um, By the way, you can check out some of the great reporting that's been done, not only on George Santos, but the different papers. There's a local paper that did something on him. The New York Post has been doing articles on him. Uh, I can't believe I'm shouting out the New York Post. Uh, The New York Times, BBC News did a really good piece on him. Um, And so anyway, Santos has a lot of these things. If you go to his website, George Santos for Congress, it's georgefornewyork.com. You see on the on the main page, it says about George, he's the son of immigrants. He grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens. Both his mother and father illegally, legally immigrated to the United States in search of the American dream. George's mother was in the South Tower on 9-11, et cetera, et cetera. And then they talk about all these other buzzwords and phrases about George grew up and now he's getting attacked by the radical left. Why is he getting attacked, Nick? For the people out there that don't know anything about this George Santos case, Fraudulent claims started to come out of college degrees, of schools that he said he attended. He did not attend. He's not listed in the registry, didn't receive a degree. A non-existent real estate portfolio that he claims he had. Companies that he said he worked at, J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup, both denied that he ever worked for those companies. He said it was because he worked for a third-party vendor that worked with those companies. And then confusion over whether or not he's Jewish. He said he grew up Catholic and that somebody on this side of the family is Jewish. And so he said something funny on an interview, which we're going to play a clip here from somebody that uh, kind of confronted him on this. But these are just some of the controversies. And now he's facing legal challenges as well. Uh, The district in New York is now opening up an investigation into some of the campaign funds. And then Brazil itself, the government of Brazil right now is looking into an investigation that they previously had into George Santos. We're going to get into that in a second, but I want to play for him from his own words, him being asked about all this on of all places, Nick Fox news, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, the representative, I think she used to be from Hawaii, right? Uh, She was uh, filling in for Tucker Carlson. And I mean, come on, nobody better to fill in for Tucker Carlson to Tulsi Gabbard. We'll get into that in a second, but Tulsi Gabbard put on her journalist hat, Maybe she was channeling her Barbara Walters and she was asking direct questions to the congressman about some of the things that he has said and have been factually inaccurate. I want to take I want you to take a listen to everything that we're going to play. It's a pretty decently long montage because I want everyone to hear what George Santos is saying in response and the way Tulsi was able to push him on some of this. We're going to react on the other side. Take a listen to this. The thing is, Congressman-elect, integrity means, yes, carrying yourself with honor, but it means it means telling the truth, being a person of integrity. And if I were one of those in New York's third district right now, now that the election is over and I'm finding out all of these lies that you've told, not just one little lie or one little embellishment, these are blatant lies. My question is, do you have no shame? Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. Democrats resoundly support him. This is not about the Democratic Party, though. This is about your relationship, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and and fight for them. And I think one of the questions that that really probably hits home to a lot of people is, is, are you Jewish? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not not being raised a practicing Jew. I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign. I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. This is, I think, one of the biggest concerns, Congressman-elect, is that you don't really seem to be taking this seriously. You've apologized. You said you've made mistakes, but you've outright lied. A lie is not an embellishment on a resume. You said you worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup 
but they've said, we've got no record of this guy working for us. You've said you've gone to and graduated from these universities, but they've said, well, we've got no record. Well, look, I, and I, I agree with what you're saying. And as I stated, and I continue, we can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman. Is and it Citigroup debatable or is it long, just false? So you heard a lot there from Tulsi Gabbard pushing back on a lot of this. I want to get into my takes and your takes as well, Nick, uh, as, as we've been watching him make the media circuit, kind of, because he's gone to Fox News and then some other podcasts and outlets. And by the way, interest of fairness, we've invited him on the program as well, back channeling to the campaign. Uh, obviously, he's a little bit busy right now with respect to getting ready to be seated in Congress. And he's got some investigations. I want to give the people more context. Um, there's mounting criticism, obviously, from Republicans and Democrats that he should step down. So the, the party is is trying to, you know, obviously, uh, I mean, they know how important the seat is, but they also know this guy. It's not an embellishment when you say you work somewhere and you didn't work there. When you say you're of this heritage, you didn't work there. But now we get into what he may have done illegally. Uh, the allegations are from a New York Times article report that the Santos campaign said he paid eleven thousand dollars to a cleaning clue, a, a cleaning company, excuse me, for an apartment rental for staff and a bunch of disbursements, but it was all legally uh, below the threshold in which receipts are required by federal law. So it was kind of fishy on that front. The campaign expenditures noted that they spent $40,000 on air travel. And so these res these the newspaper uh, noted that these resembled the campaign filings of party leaders in Congress, as opposed to newly elected congressmen who's still introducing himself to local voters. It's almost like this guy's established and already getting these funds because he's a paid member of Congress, whereas opposed to where are you spending all this money and doing all this travel? You're, you're locally in New York. You shouldn't be going anywhere. So um, obviously, the, the I mentioned about the investigation in Nassau County. The DA's office has opened an investigation there into him, into some of this campaign fund related stuff. Um, the Republican Jewish Coalition CEO, Matt Brooks, said recently public statements. He deceived us and misrepresented his heritage, as you just heard in the Fox News clip in public comments. And to us personally, this is Matt Brooks again. He previously claimed to be Jewish. He has begun his tenure in Congress on a very wrong note. There's been a bunch of tweets that have been brought up from past about George Santos saying that his mother passed away on 9-11. The campaign had it up on his website. And then they recently changed the wording to say his mother was in the office of the South. His mother was in the office of the South Tower on 9-11. And she subsequently died in 2016 after a battle to cancer. He didn't tweet that. He tweeted something to the effect of that 9-11 affected me because my mother died on that. Using his words. These are from different tweets. All right. I gave a huge summation. You heard the interview there. Um, let me let's let's start with you first, Nick. Your takeaways on this overall. Forget about re Republican versus Democrat. Forget about if this guy were to step down and, and do the right thing. I mean, other people. The one name comes up to me all the time, George O'Leary, the former UCF football coach. This guy was a football coach. For people that don't know, he was coaching at a college program. Then he went to Georgia Tech and he was winning at these programs. And then all of a sudden he got the head job in Notre Dame. Three days later, they found something on his resume that he said he worked somewhere and he didn't. He lied. It was years ago. He ended up resigning that week. They forced him to resign. This is like a $7 million a year paying job, way more than George Santos is going to make in Congress for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And this guy resigned. Now, again, not the apples to oranges here, so not really equatable, but I, that's the only person I can think of that, you know, embellished something on a resume to a very small scale. And this person stepped down. Now you got this guy lying about degrees, college diplomas. He's lying about his heritage. You heard it there. I'm Jew-ish. Know what that means? We're going to get into that in a second. And then lying about working for companies when he worked with companies. I work for a third-party vendor right now. For me to say I work at NBC Sports is a lie. I work with NBC Sports. He literally listed that he worked at Citigroup and he worked at J.P. Morgan. What do you make of all of this? We have been texting back and forth about it, but now that you've heard the clips, you've heard the interviews. I gave all the context. What are some of your takeaways on on Republican Congressman George Santos? You know. It's, I mean, maybe it's the Trump effect um, that emboldens people to think that you can, you know, say whatever you want and do whatever it takes to get elected. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a process person by nature. So I don't know if the people in district three in New York, I think it's district three. Um, it's not California. California famously has a recall vote, right? Like we've seen them, you know, attempt to use this before, you know, New York to my knowledge doesn't have one. Um, and if they do, then you know, please correct me. Uh, at, you know, can we please talk podcast at gmail.com or on our various social media channels. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious. I, I wish there was a way that the district could be able to make the decision for themselves, because at the end of the day, this is a seat for the district. He represents that particular district doesn't represent, you know, the Lehigh Valley where I live. He doesn't represent, you know, Miami where you are. This is just about those New Yorkers and how they feel. If they want him to step down, if they want the right to vote again, they should be able to do that. But that's, that's kind of where that goes. I'm, I'm stunned that, in a time where you know we have so many different media outlets, social media, there's so many people looking for a reason, you know, to to call you out um, that you think that this is okay to do. You know, we saw this actually when um, when we were focusing on the Brett Favre story, you know, with Anna Wolf. You know, there was that famous text about Favre asking, you know, just trying to find out. Well, the media's not going to hear about this, right? You know, and of course they found out. I imagine in somewhere in the recesses of Santos's mind. You have to think, you know, I'm not going to get caught doing this, am I? And of course you're going to get caught. I did see some people ask about, you know, why wasn't this caught earlier? You know, why didn't journalists come forward with this sooner? And I'm not sure. Uh, and, and in general, it does call into question, you know, what should be vetted for anyone that's running for public office? I know certainly, you know, at your company, my company, you know, I can't just make reckless lies up, you know, and to get a job. I mean, there's going to do reference checks, background checks, all kinds of things get done. And it, like George O'Leary, like if you you know play around with that stuff, you'll you'll get sussed out and you'll have to be terminated in a publicly elected office. I don't know if the district, if the voters have any say about what happens. Um, so I'm, I'm really at a loss as to what the repercussions are. It does seem like there's this legal matter that um, if he's found guilty of these things and something happens too. I do want to shout out, though, Tulsi Gabbard, who I have no, you know, <laughs> agreement with that at all in the political spectrum. But the fact that she didn't let him slide on these accusations about Joe Biden, which are baseless and all these other silly things that he kept you know, obfuscating on to deny the simple fact that he has lied his way to a congressional seat. I appreciate her maintaining the same integrity and holding him accountable to that. So that, yeah, that's, I, I agree I with, I agree with that too, because listen, and everything she said is factually accurate. And again, like what you said, he hasn't done anything illegal. He's just lied a bunch. But I was thinking about this earlier today, and I wrote this down as we were preparing to talk about this, because the problem is, is that when you do, when you play the what about ism game, it has to be apples to apples. It, it can't be apples to oranges. So he's talking about Joe Biden lying for 40 years, you know, as a member of the Senate, vice president and president. OK, if Joe Biden says something on the campaign trail and then he gets to, you know, the White House and he realizes he can't enact legislation because he doesn't own, you know, he doesn't control both chambers or some people in his party like Cinema and Manchin don't want to go along with something. Yes, that's a lie because he campaigned on it. But once he gets into government, you know, having to work with other people and get, you know, bipartisan buy in on certain stuff. Is that a lie? I don't know if that's a lie, but I'll tell you what Joe Biden didn't do. He didn't say he went to Harvard. He says he went to Delaware State. Guess what? Delaware State has him listed in the registrar there. He didn't say that he worked for, you know, JP Morgan and Citigroup. I, I, I made this analogy earlier because, again, I've worked for major broadcast companies, as people know. And then now I'm currently working for somebody that is a third party vendor that helps other companies. And the reason I wanted to invite the congressman on is because he mentioned to Tulsi Gabbard, uh, part of the clip that I didn't play there, he, he said, I can explain to you how in venture capital, I'm paraphrasing here, why I would say that I worked for Citigroup or what, but it will go over the audience's head. And, I, and now I want to I get that answer from him, which is why we've invited him on the program. If his folks are listening to us out there, we've invited and we've sent an inbox over to the comms director for George Santos because we do want to invite him on the program because I want him to explain it to me because I work directly for a third party vendor right now, like I've mentioned, that works for some of the top sports broadcasters, teams, leagues across the pond, any sport out there, soccer, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. We work with all of them. For me to put on my resume, again, that I work 
you know, for NFL Network is a lie. It would be a blatant lie. I work with NFL Network because of the third party vendor. And so there is no way that he could justify within the financial realm that working for a third party company that handles JP Morgan and Citigroup accounts, let's say, is in any way, shape or form that he gets a paycheck or he has listed in their system, has filled out a W-2, a 1099, whatever it is. He hasn't done that for any of these companies. So the whataboutism game drove me nuts. And let me tell you something. We were t- I shouted out Amna Nawaz before from PBS's NewsHour. Uh, our IG account recently, if you didn't check this out, put up, uh, as we were closing out the new year, we put up uh, some of the best of 2022. Amna came on the program and back in June and was talking about Uvalde, right? And the shooting that happened there. We all know what subsequently happened with the police investigation of all these officers that pretty much did nothing and sat there for almost 70 minutes. So Amna said something there and we posted on our IG page and it stuck with me. She said, the truth will always come out. You just keep searching and the truth will always come out. This is the same thing here with George Santos. Like this guy's tripping over himself and saying, I embellished a little bit, like you heard there. I can explain this. I can explain that. Joe Biden's been lying for 40 years. These things are not equatable. And in 2023, I'm going to use, can we please talk? And I think Nick agrees with me. I'll speak for Nick. We're going to start calling out hypocrisy in general, in general, because not everything is a Republican and Democrat thing. It's just not, folks. Some things are right and wrong not right-leaning, left-leaning. They're right and wrong. You can't say you worked somewhere and you didn't work there. You can't say you're Jewish and you're Catholic. Like You can't say your mom died on 9-11 and your mom's healthy and, and dies in 2016. That was, li- that was literally 15 years later and almost 4,000 people lost their lives because of what happened on 9-11, from first responders to the people that were affected in the towers to the folks on the flights. I mean, come on, man. You can't like some of these things. Marie Harp said this best a few weeks ago when you were she was filling in for you. Some of these things are not comms issues. They're not communication issues. You don't need to message better. This is right or wrong. You're on the you're on the side of wrong. And shout out to Tulsi Gabbard. Like you said, agree with absolutely zero of what she stands for politically. Maybe there's one percent in there. But I will say this. And I bet you George Santos thought that it was going to be a layup of an interview going to a network where you know a lot of top Republicans go on that network to try to get their message out and hosting the show that has the largest reach on that network. And I bet you he wasn't expecting questions like that. So shout out to her for actually asking the questions the right way. Speaking of asking the questions the right way, we come back after the break. Listen, I've never flown Southwest Airlines in my life, not for any reason, um, more of a you know United American Airlines type guy, a JetBlue, JetBlue, I'm a true blue member. But we're going to find out about everything that happened with Southwest Airlines last week. The other major story that happened that really affected everyone during the holiday season, over 6,000 flights canceled over a bevy of days and people being stranded at airports, stranded in cities, not being able to get home. And then what the company did as a messaging from a messaging standpoint to tell people how to get refunds and how to get home. We're going to break it all down with Hannah Sampson from The Washington Post when we come back after the break. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. This episode of Can We Please Talk, as always, is presented by the good folks over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today since 2009. These folks have been putting the good stuff out there in coffee and tea. You can head to freshroastedcoffee.com today as a Can We Please Talk listener. Enter in the promo code Can We Get 20 to get 20% off your first purchase. Nick, tell the people how good fresh roasted coffee is. I say it enough, folks. If you are a coffee drinker, and of course you are a tea drinker, they got you covered. Go there, take the quiz, learn about your flavor type, and get on this amazing train of goodness that is fresh roasted coffee. 
That's right. Freshroastedcoffee.com today. Promo code can we get 20 at checkout, 20% off your first purchase. All right. Hannah Sampson is a fantastic Washington Post travel reporter. She's joined us before on the program and been fantastic breaking down everything with the airline industry. Now we're going to focus in on one particular airline, Southwest Airlines. She joined us here on the podcast. Hannah, Mike Leon, Nick Saveri, thank you so much for hopping back on the pod with us. And thanks for having me. You know, Hannah, um, I I said this uh, in the close of the last segment. I've never flown Southwest Airlines, Uh, not for any reason. You know, I'm a True Blue Mm -hmm. member, United, American, a lot of options out there. But when one of the biggest airlines, you know, in in North America here uh, has the kind of week that they had over the last, you know, seven to 10 days, it dominated the news cycle. And especially during the holiday break, it was insane. For the people that maybe don't know the intricacies of what actually happened, because it kind of happened around the same time that there was uh, bad weather going throughout yeah. most of the country. Can you give our folks, excuse the pun, a 30,000 foot overview of what <laughs> happened with respect to Southwest Airlines canceling all these flights? Yeah. So, I mean, so the bad weather kind of was nationwide. It affected everybody, but everyone else seemed to recover um, much more quickly. They were just able to pull themselves together um, kind of remarkably fast. And Southwest just, for some reasons that I'll outline, dragged on and on and on. And instead of recovering, canceled cascading numbers of flights for days and days. And it really took them about a week to recover to anything like normal. Well, everyone else, you know, days earlier had been okay. So there are a couple of things that are unique about Southwest. Um, and one of them is just that they have kind of outdated, this is so boring, <laughs> like that for a passenger to think about, but they have outdated scheduling um, technology. So when crew are out of place, instead of there just being like some system that magically tracks them, um, they were having to call, like manually call physical schedulers to say, you know, I'm supposed to be in Fort Lauderdale, but instead I'm stuck in Chicago or, you know, I was scheduled to be in these places, but instead I'm stuck here. And even the staff members were being stuck on hold for hours and hours. They just couldn't track their pilots and flight attendants in order to know where everybody was to get them going again. So that was just like one huge meltdown that it took them they just kept canceling more and more flights in order to get people back where they needed to be and to get planes back where they needed to be. So that was, that took like a huge toll on them. And the other thing is the way that Southwest operates, which is kind of what makes them like a more nimble, um, more often affordable airline is that they fly. They don't have like the big hubs that maybe Delta has in Atlanta and United has in Houston, American has in Philly and Charlotte. Um, they have kind of a, a more point-to-point system. So instead of having a bunch of planes in one place that go, you know, like from Chicago or from Atlanta, they'll just hopscotch around the country all day. Um, so their planes will go, you know, maybe they'll go from Fort Lauderdale to Austin to somewhere in California to who knows, like wherever they go, they go on all these flights during the day. But when there's disruption, it's not like they have a bunch of backup planes in one hub that they can dispatch to kind of be the relief flights. Um, The planes are just all out of whack and it takes them so long to get back in order when there's something major like the weather that we saw right before Christmas. So it's like all of these background um, intricate operational things that nobody would give a second thought to as they're flying under normal operations, but um, these kind of hidden practices um, really worked against Southwest over the holiday week. And a part of the ire seems to be beyond passengers is now coming from the federal government. You know, Secretary Pete Buttigieg recently talked about, um, you know, the federal government getting in, involved in looking in further and, and essentially doing an inquiry into Southwest. What you just described, however, is a current state of affairs for a smaller airline, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, that agility has worked out for them in the past. 
But in this case now, what resources or tactics or what have you from the transportation department can the federal government really enact to to do anything against a a private company, but b a company that's just more nimble and agile than their than their larger competitors? Yeah, I mean, so I will say Southwest is is about the fourth largest airline, um, like U.S. based airline, if I'm remembering this right. But they have huge operations in the U.S. Like domestically, they're they're a giant airline, not not globally, but, you know, they, they make a lot of money. So it's not, you know, they're not like a startup struggling airline. Um, they're, they're traditionally been very profitable, but the DOT has really since the summer been cracking down on airlines when they had operational problems and they, they have kind of forced the airlines to make, or at least forced the airlines to put on paper, the commitments that they make to passengers in a way that is, um, very evident to passengers. There's a there's a dashboard now that the DOT maintains that says what airlines owe or promise they'll do for passengers in case of disruptions. And that's, that includes a refund. If your flight is canceled and you choose not to fly on a rebooked flight, or um, if there are significant delays and you choose not to fly, they don't define what significant delay is, which is kind of, kind of a problem because it's really up to the airline. But you know, other other things that airlines will do, like um, if there's a a controllable um, significant delay, that they'll cover your hotel or they'll cover your meals. So these are all things that the DOT um, kind of made airlines commit to uh, and put in writing on this dashboard. And now they're just saying, like, we're really going to hold Southwest feet to the fire on this, and we're going to make sure that they're you know, good on these promises. Um, but also, you know, they, they're coming out and saying if there needs to be fines because Southwest, you know, had, because this was avoidable or in any way, or if they're not providing refunds in time, or if they're not living up to their promises, um, we do have the authority to issue fines and, um, and to demand that their payment be made to make the passengers whole. So, you know, I think that's what the DOT can do. And um, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, was not shy about, you know, going on many, many television shows and talking about how they were going to hold Southwest accountable. And um, yeah, I, I think that they'll probably be uh, a lot more communication between the CEO and the executives there and the DOT as they're continuing to resolve kind of the leftover um, refund issues and really the operational stuff with travelers is is pretty cleared out, but a lot of people still don't have their bags. So we'll see kind of where that goes. And about your your response, just where you were a moment ago, yeah, I could tell that like this is something that seems either new or um, like it. Southwest seems to be in a, in a weird place where they just wasn't you know at, at the times. Um, in your knowledge, just historically. You know, has the DOT been able to make significant progress with helping a, a transportation-based organization be able to significantly improve to the way to the place where the secretary is talking about, or in a way that would seem more accept, acceptable to travelers? You know, I, I know that they fined several airlines earlier this year um, who had been delayed in their refunds. They kind of find them pun- punitively, but they also um, have forced a lot of airlines to pay up. That's something they can do. I, I don't have like one specific example of an airline, um, like one airline that they've kind of forced to get better, but um, they also keep track kind of on a monthly basis of complaints about airlines and those are publicly available. So it's not it's not like um, those those reports aren't forcing airlines to do anything, but it's definitely like putting them on blast. if somebody had a terrible month, um, you can look at this list of complaints and see like, wow, (laughs) Um, you know, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but we'll just say Southwest because this is the case, you know, Southwest had thousands and thousands of complaints in December and other airlines didn't, you know, it doesn't look good. It's, it's like, it's reporting, but it's putting the numbers out there for public consumption in a way that is probably uncomfortable for the airline. So you know, I'm not sure the DOT is going to be able to 
mandate like any kind of incredible technological turnaround so that this doesn't happen again with Southwest. But I also think that the public pressure on Southwest is going to be significant enough that they're going to need to figure out ways that they can make this not happen again. Um, uh, you know, you were saying that uh, you hadn't flown, I think it was Mike was saying we hadn't flown Southwest before. Their reputation is really as like a friendly, um, jovial kind of, their their stock symbol is love, L-U-V. Like they're all about good heart, um, love the community. Their, their flight attendants are famously funny. Like they really encourage people to do like little stand-up routines and their safety announcements. And they're famous at the holidays for decorating their gates at the airport. So that's a persona that they've cultivated over many years. And so this kind of meltdown is the opposite of what they want. And I, I can only imagine leadership is going to do everything that they can in order to keep, um, not to keep, but to, to keep this from being like the takeaway that so many people have about Southwest. They're going to really need to recapture hearts and minds. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like I said, I've never flown them before, but for no other reason than another, a couple other airlines that I trust. Um, I want to get into a couple of things with you. Um, first, for the people that are listening to this, because you were talking about bags are still lost. There was people that were stranded. Maybe they were paying for hotels. Um, what's happening right now, present day with all these folks that have had flights canceled, the crews not being found, the luggages being lost, like has Southwest updated uh, the media at all in terms of like where everything is right now? Is everything readily available in some type of portal? I think you you had mentioned before, like what's going on with everything that's been affected, everybody that's been affected by this last week. Have we caught up or not really? So the flights are operating pretty normally now. Um, I checked today and Southwest doesn't have a number of cancellations that's out of the ordinary for other airlines right now. They have a small number of cancellations, but nothing major. Um, they are not being super publicly forthcoming as far as I can tell about um, their status with the bags. I'm waiting for an answer from them right now about how many lost bags are still outstanding and what they're doing to return people to those. Uh, they do have a website that they set up specifically for the passengers who are affected to submit for reimbursement and also um, to report their bags lost so that they can get an ID and kind of try to track that. But the people who I've talked to are having a pretty hard time um, getting any information about their bags. So I know there's a lot of frustration there. I've seen like on social media, some people saying they've gotten their refunds already. Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to be waiting for money. So I, I suspect it'll take some time for everyone to be made whole there. Haley, you had mentioned earlier about about complaints, you know, being visible that people can be able to read, you know, just for listeners of the show. For people to get better informed about airlines, you know, in terms of making decisions about which airlines to particularly use, you know, obviously people tend to look at, you know, travel websites that compare all of them. And then we tend to lead with our wallets. But, you know, for you and being in the informed sector for transportation news, what would you recommend for people to do to just be better informed about um, which flight carriers and organizations to work with? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's important is I think like flying the airlines that are that have like big operations near you. So, you know, the answer could be different if you live near a Delta hub or an American hub. Um, so just, I mean, just kind of being educated on what the major carriers are where you live. Um, just because if there's a cancellation and there's six American Airlines flights a day out of your airport, as opposed to one Delta flight, um, you're going to want to be flying the airline that has more airlift where you are, because there's a better chance of getting rebooked. So that's one thing. Um, the DOT consumer, like the monthly consumer reports are, they're dated by a few months, but you know, you can still look at them to see a pattern of um, on-time performance, for example, or mishandled baggage um, or complaints about pet handling. You know, there's, there's um, all kinds of really fascinating data that is collected about consumer complaints that you can look at if something matters to you a lot. You can see like mishandled or lost um, wheelchairs or other equipment, that kind of stuff is tracked. So, you know, it's, it's not a predictor of what's going to happen to you, but it is, it does kind of show a pattern. Um, so, you know, that's a way to kind of educate yourself. And then 
just knowing what to do and what your rights are if something is to happen. You know, some airlines commit to booking you if they're going to cancel your flight or if they're having some operational problems, they'll commit to booking you on a competing airline to try to get you where you need to go. But some airlines do not commit to that. And that's the kind of thing that appears on that DOT um, dashboard. So, and I, I believe Southwest is one of the airlines that does not commit to that. So that's, a, I mean, that's a really important thing to know about if, uh, if you're going to take a flight and it's crucial that you are going to get where you need to go. I'm still baffled by how outdated the technology is for Southwest Airlines that they've been able to last this long with something so, at least it sounds minutiae the way you were kind of explaining it, not the the plane system itself, but the actual scheduling process sounds so outdated that, and then now it's caught up to them with all the weather and stuff like that. Uh, You can read all of uh, Hannah's fantastic articles about this, covering all this. Again, all the information that you want to find out if you were affected by what happened last week with Southwest Airlines. Check out some of the sites uh, that she just mentioned and check out all her fantastic work over at the Washington Post. Hannah, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Continued success to you. Happy New Year. And and, uh, thank you for being on the program. Thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate it. 
Hannah should be someone you're following. Um, her articles, the team at the Washington Post that covers it. Um, but I, I appreciate all the coverage there, but also her explanation of even point to point. But all these things that we take for granted, she just peeled back the layers and, and made it easier for us to all understand how we can be more knowledgeable about the different airports that we work with uh, and what you can do to better advocate to make sure that if you're getting screwed over, for lack of a better phrase, by the air- airlines, what are your options for recourse? A lot better to go through someone like Hannah than you know your local Facebook group and saying, hey, can I do X, Y, and Z? She actually would know the answer. Right, right. No, I thought you asked her a really great, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought you asked her a really great question about the, um, like, what would you recommend for people in terms of looking up stuff? Because, you know, if you got a flight to catch, you can't miss this. There are some airlines that like won't help. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Check out Hannah's work on the Washington Post. Speaking of online sources, video, you want to watch video of the YouTube we just did with Hannah. Check out our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. We're going to pop right up. Audio podcast platform. Shout out to Apple, Spotify, Google, all the folks at Good Pods that listen to us. Acast is our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. We can't do it without each and every one of you that listens, writes in, emails, text us. Happy New Year to all of you. Again, I probably said it for the fifth time in this episode. As always, I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saberi. We'll see everybody next time. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.